everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jill. I'm part of Shiloh's small group steering committee, and my husband Ben and I lead a Shiloh small group. This is actually my third time giving a message here at Shiloh, and typically what's happened in the past is I've had something that I felt like God has put on my heart, that that was for more than just me, and so I sought out the opportunity to share This time around was a little different, though. I actually got an email from Pastor Greg months and months ago asking if I'd be willing to give a message in June. And, you know, I was thankful for the opportunity, but I have to be honest, when I read that email, I was like, oh, no, I've got nothing. And so as I contemplated what I could write back to Pastor Greg, I had these four words pop into my head just out of nowhere. And those four words were the title of today's message, Give Me a Break. And so when you hear the words, give me a break, what do you instantly think of? Let's watch this to try to jog your memories. One, two, one, two, three. Give me a break, give me a break, break me off a piece of that kid can Give me a break. That's right. So the phrase, give me a break, always makes me think of a Kit Kat bar. And I just have to go ahead and apologize. I showed my kids that commercial about a week ago. They have been singing it nonstop ever since. And there's a very good chance that that's going to be stuck in your head for the rest of the day today. So I am sorry about that. But come on, give me a break. Kit Kats. They were invented in 1935 in London, and they have been one of my favorite candy bars for years. You know, if I had to rank my favorite candies, they'd probably be number four. They're really only inferior to cowtails, um, and then sour watermelons, and then my number one, the ultimate candy bar, the Twix bar. That's right. So you may be asking yourself, you know, why am I sharing about my favorite candies? You know, do I have some sort of spiritual insight about these sweet treats? Well, no, absolutely not. You see, a couple years ago when I gave a message, I mentioned another candy that I like. And then that very next Sunday, a very kind person from our church brought me a big bag of those candies. So you might say I'm kind of holding out hope that that might happen again for me. So in, you know, worst case scenario, now everyone knows what I like. So good to know. So I hear this, give me a break, I get a major craving for Kit Kats, but then I have to stop and ask myself, all right, Lord, give me a break, what could that mean for a message? When I share a message, it's usually one of two things. It's something God has been teaching me lately, or it's something that God needs to be teaching me because it's something I'm absolutely terrible at in my life. And so when I got Pastor Greg's email back in the winter, I thought that give me a break could mean a message about rest and margin because I was terrible at both of those things back then. You know, I was living that busy mom life to the fullest. I'll spare you all the details, but my days were pretty much spent in my minivan, drinking lukewarm coffee, bringing kids to school, picking them up from school, activities, working part-time, and then I'd cap off every evening with a couple of hours of staying up too late, binge-watching my favorite shows on either Netflix or Hulu. You know, I was really busy, and so busy, in fact, that when the first few cases of coronavirus started being announced in the United States, I actually had the audacity to say at my small group one night that I wouldn't mind if our family had a 14-day quarantine together, because, you know, then at least we'd get a break from our busy lives. Yes, I actually said that out loud, that I wouldn't mind a quarantine. 
And trust me, I wish I could go back and have some words with that Jill that said that, because, you know, as we all know, that was only the very beginning. You know, coronavirus cases would quickly start to increase, and then our lives were going to change pretty drastically. You know, we had a couple of family vacations that were planned that we had canceled, and we were pretty disappointed about that. And then live sports were totally canceled. And I don't know about anyone else watching this, but I'm pretty sure a small piece of my husband died inside when that happened. And, you know, then my grandmother's nursing home was shut down, and I could no longer visit her in person, and that was really hard. And then we got word that schools were also closing down, and our kids would be going to remote learning. I mean, what even was remote learning? And then I had to switch to working remotely because I had to be home with my kids. And so my office actually became our kids' little kid craft table and chairs and our kids' playroom. And if you don't know what a kid craft table and chairs are, they're essentially furniture made for a three- or four-year-old. So it's a miracle that one of those chairs didn't break underneath me when I was in the middle of one of my work calls. Now, this one's a little ridiculous, but early on in the quarantine, our toilet paper supply really started to dwindle. And you may laugh at that now, but I started to panic because all of these internet searches on Amazon, Target, Walmart, they were all coming up empty for a while. And my dad, he works in a grocery store. He's a manager at a grocery store. And, you know, early on when this virus was so unknown, I was really concerned about him working. And I won't tell you how old he is. You're welcome, Dad. Uh, but I will say that he's in what experts say is a high-risk category. And so rather than doing what Steve mentioned last week and fearing less, I found myself just fearing more and more. I was gripped with anxiety that he was going to catch this at work, he was going to get really sick, and he was going to die And I just was so concerned about that. And then I got a call from my boss who told me I'd no longer be working remotely because I'd no longer be working. There were cutbacks, and I was going to temporarily lose my job. And then the very next day after I got this news, the governor announced that schools would be closed permanently for the rest of the school year. And my kids had been holding out hope, but I had to tell them, I'm sorry, you're not going to be back in those classrooms with those same teachers and same friends again. And then, to top it all off, this quarantine has held several more months of negative pregnancy tests on top of the months and years of more negatives. And at this point, it's like, all I need is a hug from my mom, right? Because that hugs from moms just make everything better. But we're social distancing and we're staying six feet apart. So we have to meet outside and do one of those like, awkward air hugs. And I'm sorry, it's just not the same, right? So give me a break. As you can imagine, it started to take on a whole new meaning in my life. It was no longer this plea for rest or for margin. Now it was like, oh, come on, can you please just give me a break? You know, not one more thing. Now, I'm a big fan of memes. They crack me up. And someone shared this one with me early on in our quarantine. So it says, anyone else feel like life is being written by a fourth grader right now? And there was this virus, and everyone was scared. And then the world ran out of toilet paper. Yeah, and then there was no school for like a month. We'll try three months. And then it snowed. Do you guys remember that freak snowstorm we had the day before Mother's Day? I mean, snow in May definitely warrants a give me a break. But when I stopped to actually think about this meme after my initial reaction of laughing, I had to remind myself that as Christians, We know that our stories are not being written by some fourth grader who's writing satires about toilet paper shortages. As Christians, we know who, with a capital W, is writing our stories. 
Our stories are being written by God, our Heavenly Father. They're being written by the creator of the universe, who won, the one who uniquely created all of us, the one who sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us so that we could be in relationship with him. And his word has a lot to say about our stories. Psalm 139.16 says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And Jeremiah 29.11 in the message version says, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. And Romans 8.31 says that if God is for us, who can be against us? And God's word is full of so many more promises about how our times are in his hands, about how he never leaves us nor forsakes us, and about how he is the one who's close to the brokenhearted. But I have to be honest with you. I can know all of these words and these verses in my head, but when life gets challenging and when it gets hard, I easily forget them. I get frustrated. I get upset. I get angry. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having those emotions. I mean, we know the Psalms are full of King David just pouring out his heart to God and crying out to him. You know, God is our Heavenly Father. He can handle our feelings, so we should share them with him. And trust me, I have definitely expressed my feelings to him on more than one occasion. When I react that way to struggles, though, it doesn't do anything to release the burden that I'm carrying. You know, the tighter that I'm holding on to something challenging that I'm facing, the heavier and heavier it becomes to hold. Now, I know there are many watching this today who are going through things that are way more challenging than any of the things I mentioned going on with me in the last couple of months. And I know there are things way more serious than toilet paper shortages and snow in May, like that meme mentioned. You know, people have lost loved ones to COVID-19. Some have permanently lost their jobs and not just been furloughed. Some are facing extreme financial hardships, and they're lonely and they're depressed. And then there are the things going on that have nothing to do with the pandemic. You know, people have other serious illnesses, new diagnoses that are terrifying. They might be having problems with their children or their aging parents. And then I can't even begin to tell you how much my heart has been breaking over the social injustice going on in our country right now. I believe that God crafted and created every human being in his image. And I know that racism breaks his heart too. I just, I can't imagine what it's been like to go through that for our black brothers and sisters. And I understand that I'm never going to fully understand that, but... I am definitely listening, listening, and I'm trying to learn, and I'm trying to be supportive and take a stand against this. And also, I'm just trying to love like Jesus would love. That's what I think he's calling me to and calling us to. So I hope that you can hear my heart today in all of this. I'm in no way trying to make light of any hardships that people are facing, and I'm not going to pretend that I know exactly what challenges you're going through or what that's like. You know, the only shoes that I walk in are my own shoes. I I know that's the only thing that I can fully understand. I think all of us as human beings, we get to this point of wanting to say, give me a break, because life just gets so overwhelming sometimes. And I feel like that's been especially true during these last couple of months for a lot of people. So what can we as Christians do when it's not just raining on us but pouring on us? Well, I think there are three practical things that we as Christians can do when we want to yell, give me a break. And then I think if we do these three things, that God will give us a break. But quick spoiler alert, it's not probably going to be in the way that you're thinking. 
So let's talk about those three things for the rest of our time together. The first is this. We need to press into God even when our instinct is to pull away. So when times are tough and they're challenging, you know, we may be tempted to maybe take a little break from our Bible reading plan. We might maybe stop watching these remote services for a couple of weeks, stop listening to praise and worship music. You know, we pull away a little bit from our Christian friends and maybe we start to fall asleep during our nightly prayer time. I know I've been guilty of that one before. The thing is, when we're going through hard times, that's actually when we need to be pressing in and seeking God more than ever. You know, that's when we need to rely on him and when we need him the most. And when we do press in and we try to draw close to God, his word promises us that he is right there and he is waiting to help us. James 4.8 says that if we come close to God, that God will come close to us. And Jeremiah 29.13 says, says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So it's really important as Christians that we use the hard times to dig even deeper into our Bibles, that we try to listen to even more praise and worship music, and that we really rely on our brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us and lift us up with words of truth. And I have to be honest, that's not always something I'm good at. On those days when I find out that I'm not pregnant yet again for like the 100th time, you know, I find it really challenging to sit down and read my Bible and do my quiet time because I am angry. But on those times when I force myself to still do it, I can tell you that the reading for that day, the Bible verses for that day, they always speak to my heart and speak to whatever I'm going through. It's actually kind of hilarious sometimes how well it fits because it's like, okay, God, like, you know what I'm going through. You know what I need to hear. You know what I need. And and I'm always glad that I took the time to have that time with the Lord. You know, when we're facing challenges in our lives as Christians, it's really important that we practice God, your word says. Josh Locke taught that to us several months ago. And so if we can just find verses in the Bible that speak to our situations, and if we can claim them as true, you know, cling to those promises, that's really what's going to be that anchors us when we're going through life storms. And that brings us to the second thing that we as Christians can do when we just need a break. And the second thing is that we need to praise God and choose joy, even when our instinct is to focus on the negative. This one may actually be the hardest one for me of all three of them, although, quite frankly, all three of them are pretty hard. You see, my nature is very much the glass is half empty. You know, if there's one negative thing and a hundred positive things, I'm just going to hone in on that negative thing and focus on that. That's just kind of my nature and who I am. I actually bought a piece of artwork from Hobby Lobby a while ago, and I have it in my kitchen. It says, choose joy in these big, bold letters, because I need that constant reminder in my life that that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Now, I discovered these verses in Habakkuk recently, and it's not really a book of the Bible you read very often, uh, but they hit me so hard in a good way that I wanted to share them with you guys today. And so Habakkuk 3, 17 through 18 says, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. So even though all these negative things are happening to this person, the choice is made at the end of these verses to still praise the Lord and to be joyful in God. 
Now, I'm not a farmer. I can't relate to having sheep pens and cattle stalls, but I can certainly relate to having things not go the way I thought they would go, and I can relate to disappointment and unmet expectations. Now, I mentioned this when I gave a message a while ago. Um, When I read the Bible, I like to put my name inside of verses. That way, it's like God is speaking directly to me, and it makes those verses more personal and more relatable. And so, you know, all the O Israels in the O Testament, they get turned into O Jills. And so if I were to do something similar with these verses in Habakkuk to relate them to what I've been going through recently, it might look a little something like this. Though I can't see my grandmother right now, and I'm concerned about my dad's health. Though I don't have a job right now, and my kids are climbing the walls and missing their friends. Though I can't seem to get pregnant month after month after month, and I feel helpless and heartbroken at the social injustice in our world. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. So for those of you listening today, I'd encourage you, as hard as it is and as challenging as it is, try to do that same thing with these verses. Try to name the things that you're struggling with, that you're going through, and make that choice at the end. You know, yet I will still praise the Lord, yet I will still find joy. Now, I'm not going to pretend that's easy or something natural. It definitely doesn't come naturally to me. But when times are tough, we can trust what Nehemiah 8.10 tells us, and that's that the joy of the Lord is going to be our strength. But I have to make that daily, that hourly, and honestly, sometimes it's that every minute choice to focus on the positive and not the negative. And when I do choose the joy of the Lord, that supernatural strength is what's going to be what carries me through the hard times. And just like when I force myself to do my quiet time on those days where I'm struggling when I find out I'm not pregnant again, I also force myself to blast praise and worship music on Pandora and sing along at the top of my lungs. And it's not easy, and again, it's not what I want to be doing, but I can tell you God has met me in the most powerful and sincere ways when I've done that. You know, we're talking, I have tears streaming down my face. It's that, you know, that ugly crying, and, you know, my kids are like, what's wrong with mama? And I'm like, it's okay, you know, mama's just finding the joy of the Lord. I'm fine. I'm going to be fine. And, you know, just like with the Bible verses speaking to me, you know, I swear every single song that comes on Pandora when I do this somehow speaks to my situation, to my hurt, to what I'm going through. You know, and it's tempting for me to just say, Alexa, next song. But instead, I make myself sing along and I make myself listen. And for two reasons. The first is that, you know, I trust again that God knows what I need to hear. And also, too, I trust that, you know, He is worthy of my praise, whether or not. I think he is in that moment. He is worthy of my praise because of what his son Jesus did on the cross for me. You know, so I can make that choice to focus on the positive and not the negative. I can make that choice to choose joy. And that brings us to the third and final thing that we as Christians can do when we just need that break from our struggles. And that's that we need to trust God even when we don't understand Now, the inspiration for most of this message came from a devotional that I've been doing. It's called Embraced by Lisa Turkhurst. Highly recommended. It's been wonderful. And in a devotion titled, Do I Trust God to Be God? This is what Lisa says. She says, If God is good and God is good to me, then I must fill in the gaps of all the unknowns of my life with a resounding statement of trust. God is good at being God. I don't have to figure my present circumstances out. I don't have to know all the whys and the what-ifs. All I have to do is trust. 
Now, the word trust appears in the New Living Translation of the Bible 220 times. I did a BibleGateway.com search. I didn't actually check myself, but, you know, I didn't verify it, but I think that would be true. And we know that the Bible is full of so many stories of those who trusted God completely and also those who didn't trust him fully. Now, when I looked up the definition of trust, here's what it said. It said that trust is defined as the firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. And so after I read that definition, I had to stop and ask myself, if there is anyone in this entire universe that I should believe in the reliability of, the truth of, the ability of, or the strength of, I mean, shouldn't it be the God who made the entire universe, the God who made me? And yet, I can definitely find myself losing that trust in him when I don't understand what's going on, whether it's things going on with me personally, things that are happening to the people I love, or quite frankly, some of the things that have been going on in these last couple of months in our country. You know, I've definitely questioned God as I've gone through my long journey of secondary infertility. And honestly, it makes no sense to me. I've had two healthy children. I have a loving home. Uh, The doctors have told me there's nothing wrong. There's no reason why I'm not getting pregnant. And, you know, I've wanted more children. So why wouldn't I have another child welcomed into our family? You know, I've definitely had questions, and those questions have led to some doubt over the years. But when I find myself starting to doubt and, you know, having those questions, I make myself turn to Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. And those verses say, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I absolutely love the kids' devotional, Jesus Calling for Kids. Fun fact, I actually bought it before I even had kids. I saw it at Barnes & Noble one day, picked it up, started leafing through it, and it was so good that I actually bought it for myself so that I could read it myself. And now I get to share it with my kids, and it's always a blessing every time we read it together. So May 18th's devotional was called Puzzle Pieces, and that was absolutely perfect for our family because all this extra time at home during this quarantine has definitely solidified our status as true puzzlers. So just for fun, here are a few of the puzzles that we've created, you know, over the course of this quarantine. Uh, and we're not any crazy people that do like those 2,000 ones. We mostly stick to 300 to 1,000 pieces. We love the 500-piece ones. You know, not too challenging where you want to give up, but still challenging enough. And, you know, it's very important. When you open a box of puzzles to start your puzzle, open a box of pieces to start your puzzle, you know, my mother-in-law taught me this. She is like the puzzling master. You can't just dump those pieces all over your surface. Because if you do that, that gets puzzle dust everywhere and puzzle dust is completely annoying. So what you have to do is you have to take out one handful at a time and set them up in a pile on your surface. But whether you're a dumper or you take them out neatly one handful at a time, you end up with something that looks like what's in this picture. You end up with a giant mound and mess of puzzle pieces. The thing is, if you use that picture on the front box cover as your guide, you can take that mess, you can take all those pieces, and you can turn it into a beautiful finished puzzle. Like you see here, this was a really fun one that we did recently. Now, in terms of our lives, you know, we don't always understand, and sometimes our our lives are puzzling to us. You know, the problem is we don't get to have that picture on the front cover to use to make sense of the pieces, You know, we may not like some of the pieces that we've been given, or we may notice someone else's pieces and say, hey, those pieces look good, I'd rather have those. 
But every puzzler knows that if you try to make your puzzle with leaving pieces out or trying to take pieces from someone else's puzzle, it's just not going to work. It's going to be a puzzler's nightmare. And so God is the only one that knows what that picture on the front cover is supposed to look like. And, you know, he's the only one that knows the plan and the purpose behind each and every piece. So I'd love to share part of that puzzle pieces devotional with you today. So it says, life can be like a box of puzzle pieces with the box top missing. When you look around at your life, all you can see are the pieces. But I see the final picture. I know how all the pieces fit together. I know how to join together all the jagged pieces of hurts and disappointments, plus the smooth pieces of victories and joys. Trust my timing and my ways. Trust me to fill all your pieces together into a wonderful life. And trust me at the end of your life to lead you home to heaven. And when I do start to look back at my life, I can start to see how some of those jagged, hurtful pieces actually do make sense in my puzzle. You know, if I hadn't been teased as a kid, I might not have the same compassion and empathy that I have today. If I had gotten into the college that I wanted to go to, I wouldn't have the career I have today. That wasn't an option at that school. And I might not have met my husband years later. If my son Joshua hadn't had neurosurgery as an infant, I might not appreciate the health he has today so much. And if we hadn't been in this current pandemic, I wouldn't have had all this extra special time with my family. You know, if I hadn't temporarily lost my job, I wouldn't have had the extra time and energy that I usually pour into my work that I could pour into other things. I can tell you there are so many things that I used to take for granted that I just don't take for granted anymore. Psalm 77, 11 through 12 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. And I think those verses are so important because the more we remember how God has gotten us through our hard times in the past, the more we can trust him that he's going to do it again. He's going to get us through. And trust is built the more time you spend with someone, and that's true of God as well. So if we do those first two steps, the more we press in and spend time in his word, the more time we spend praising him and choosing joy, you know, that trust is going to happen even when we don't understand all those whys and what ifs. You know, he can take what the enemy means for evil, and he can turn it to good. I truly do believe that. So, in case you missed it, to summarize, when life is hard, when we are struggling, when we want to just scream, give me a break, we need to press into God even when our instinct is to pull away. We need to praise God and choose joy even when our instinct is to focus on the negative. And we need to trust God even when we don't understand. And as Christians, when we do all these things, you know, God really does give us a break, but it might not be in the way that you think. You know, sometimes we go through things and our circumstances don't change the way that we want them to. I mean, there's a good chance I never will have any more children, even though that's my desire and that's my plan. You know, but when we do all these things, when we press in, when we praise and when we trust, you know, God gives us a break from trying to carry our burdens all by ourselves. God gives us a break from that constant worry and that anxiety. And he gives us a break from trying to figure everything out, all those whys and those what ifs. You know, he shoulders those burdens for us so that we don't have to carry them anymore. And that happens the more we press in praise and trust. So to close, Pastor Greg shared a message in our UR series called You Are Understood. And it was just such a powerful message. Pastor Greg just shared so vulnerably, and I just found it so relatable. 
He talked about how Jesus was fully God, but also fully man, and how he knows, understands, and empathizes with everything that we go through in our lives. And as I mentioned earlier, there are injustices and racism going on in our country that have been going on for years, for so long, and I'm never going to fully understand what that's like to go through that, even though I'm trying to listen and learn and be supportive and mostly love. But Jesus knows and Jesus understands. Jesus knew what it was like to suffer. He knew what it was like to have his heart completely broken, to be betrayed. And he knew what it was like to cry out to God for a break. He did just that in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night he was betrayed, the night before he was crucified. Mark 14.36 says that Jesus cried out, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, I want your will to be done and not mine. It's that word yet again, you know, yet I will rejoice, yet I will choose joy, yet I want your will to be done, not my will. And really, I just want Jesus' prayer to be my prayer in my life. You know, no matter what's going on in my life, I want to be that person who still chooses to draw close to God and press in instead of pull away. I want to be able to still praise God and choose joy even when I'm going through challenging times. And I want to trust God even when I don't understand what's going on. So if you're watching this today and you're somebody who's going through a hardship, through a challenge, if you're hurting or broken in any way, I want to pray for you. Um, First, I want to pray that God would change your circumstances, that he would bring complete healing and relief and, and bring you peace. But even if that doesn't happen right away, I want to pray that he would give you a heart that would want to seek after him, to press in, to praise him, and to trust him even when you don't understand what's going on in your life. You know, I'll be the first to admit that this is not easy, it's not natural, it's really hard. But I do believe that God is right there and he's waiting. He wants to shoulder our burdens. He wants to carry us through our hard times. You know, he's already there right beside us. You know, and I just really believe that he can take the challenges that we're facing and he can turn our mourning into dancing. You know, we don't just have to survive. You know, with God, he can help us thrive. So let's go ahead and let's pray. Father God, I just thank you that you are a God who never leaves us nor forsakes us, Lord. I just thank you that you have plans for each and every one of our lives, Lord, that you are the ultimate one who is writing our stories. And God, I just pray for anyone listening today, anyone watching this, who is going through a hard time, that's struggling, that's hurting, that's broken, Lord. I pray that you would meet them where they're at. I pray that you would relieve them of their burden, God. I pray that you would change their circumstances, God, that even if that's not going to happen right now, Lord, I still pray that you would give them a healing, Lord, that you would help their hearts to want to seek after you, to press in, to praise you, and choose joy. And God, that we would all just trust you, that you are God and we are not, that you know what you're doing, Lord. And God, I also want to pray for another type of break today, Lord. You know, this whole give me a break message has taken on so many meanings for me over the last couple of months, Lord. And I just, you know, this last week as I've been praying into this, God, I felt you come up with yet another meaning, Lord. And that give me a break is, God, I just pray that you would break our hearts for what is definitely breaking your heart right now, God. God, your word says that a broken heart and a contrite spirit, Lord, that's what you're looking for. And so I just pray that you would just give all of us listening to this today minds that would seek to understand, that you would give us ears to listen, 
God, that you would give us hearts that ultimately want to just show love the way that Jesus would show love, Lord, that we would take a stand and that we would speak out against injustice and racism, Lord. And I just thank you for the way that you crafted and created every human being in your image, God, and that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die for all of us, for the world. We just thank you for that unfailing love. We thank you for that amazing grace. We just pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. And I'm going to invite Pastor Greg back up. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. That was a wonderful message. Wow. I'm blessed. I'm sure you are as well. That was, that was great. You know, and one of the things Jill prayed at the end there was, God, break our hearts for what break yours. And, you know, I don't know if you got a chance to look at the weekly email that came out on Friday, but I, I shared a little bit about what's been breaking my heart, similarly to Jill. Uh, you know, just the events of, of black men and women in our country who've been murdered and, and just the, the social injustice and, and racism that's happening. So, so these events, as we know, they've sparked wide, peaceful protests. And those peaceful protests, they are separate from the rioting and the looting that's going on in, in some cases. But I, I feel like it's important to say we certainly condemn the rioting and the looting uh, and the needless loss of life and property that's happened because of that. But, but I don't want to miss the point of the demonstrations. I don't want to miss the point of, of what's trying to be said. It's so easy at times to try to address the symptom. But we need to address the sickness. In Acts 3, I, I mentioned in the email on Friday that, that Peter and John were, were walking to the temple. And they passed. They were going through the gate called Beautiful. And at that gate, there was a man that had been 40 years lame, and he was brought to that gate every day to beg. Like, what a contrast, right? A a beggar at the temple. And and I don't know if I would have passed him by. I don't know if you would have passed him by. but, But this day, Peter and John, they did not pass him by. They stopped. And they saw him, and they, and they brought him love and healing uh, in such a way that it was powerful. It moved him, and there was something miraculous that happened in his life. He got healed that day. It wasn't just a physical healing. I'm sure it was an emotional healing, too. Like 40, 40 years, he wasn't allowed to go into the temple. But that day, he rejoiced. That day, he, he was walking and leaping and praising God and could go into the temple with everyone else. They stopped, and I'd like to say as believers, we can't walk by the social injustice that we're seeing. We can't walk by the racism. We can't walk by bigotry in our country of any kind and keep silent because that silence is deafening. And if if we're going to love like Jesus, then we need to have compassion and empathy for the marginalized, for the brokenhearted, and for the oppressed. See, we we find that Jesus started his ministry in Luke 4, and if you remember, Right before he was tempted in the wilderness, he, or right after he was tempted in the wilderness, he came back and went into the temple. And this is what he said about himself. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's why Jesus came. The prisoners, the blind, the oppressed, they can look like so many people in our world in so many ways. There's so many examples we could talk about today. But today in our country, in this moment, the oppressed I want to focus on are the black men and women who have faced systematic racism in our country 
for generations. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we're called to be part of the solution. Jesus was never far from the oppressed, the marginalized, or the needy. And if we're going to be like Jesus, we need in this moment to acknowledge what has been happening with the racism and hate in in our country. And if we're going to be like Jesus, then we need to stand up and not be silent. Silence in moments like this can be deafening. So to all of our brothers and sisters who are black, please know that we see you, we listen to you, we love you and we believe in you and we're sorry. So what can you and I do? I want to give us three things maybe that could be actionable today that that we could do these three things. First is we could listen. We could listen to the stories and experiences of black men and women and remember it's, it's one thing to hear and it's another thing to listen. Secondly, we could educate ourselves. You know, there's books, there's documentaries, there's, there's podcasts, there's articles where we could learn and grow. We need to take the burden for ourselves to do the work to try to educate ourselves. And lastly, we could pray. We could ask God saying, God, now that I've, ed- now that I've listened, now that I've educated myself, what can I do with this knowledge? Lord, how can I be an instrument of peace and love like you did, Lord Jesus? So Jesus said in Luke 4 that he came to set the oppressed free, and I encourage us all, let's take time to reflect where our hearts, um, where are our hearts for those who are marginalized? Where's our heart for those who are oppressed and those in need? Now that we know we're connected to the problem, we must ask, how can we become part of the solution? That's, that's an individual question for each of us. Now that we know better, we must do better. Although many of us do not and cannot understand the lives and the experiences of, of black Americans. We want to be like Jesus with hearts full of compassion. And we want to have a drive for justice. So when that justice comes, we'll rejoice with those who rejoice. But today, in this moment, we mourn with those who mourn. And we stand with our black brothers and sisters. Could we just close with a word of prayer? Father God, I ask that you continue to break our hearts for what breaks yours. God, help us to learn more and more and to pray more. God, would you help us reflect your heart for those who have been marginalized, those who have been oppressed, those who are in need. Lord, we pray for our government at this time. God, we pray for every uh, local leader, for every national leader, for every first responder, for every, every person, Lord, that's in pain. God, we know that you see all of it. God, you see our hearts, and we ask you for wisdom. We ask you for grace to know how to best move forward. Lord, give your wisdom to our leaders. Help us all in this moment as we lift up your name, Lord Jesus, that you be glorified in what we do, in what we say, and in what we, what we um, extend, how we extend love to our, our fellow man. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. So Shiloh, we love you. We're so glad you joined us today. We're looking forward to seeing you next week, those of you that feel comfortable in person. And uh, we'll let you know this week if it's going to be just an 8.30 service or an 8.30 and a 10.30. So God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll see you next week.